2: Post your free job on linkedin.com/recommend today.
3: Okay, okay, okay. Okay.
4: Welcome back. 106.7 fan, Toby Altizer with you. Last full hour here before we turn it over to Caps Hockey at 3.15. Talking with you guys about Dan Quinn, 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. We played the clip last segment talking about Dan Quinn and his introductory press conference, basically saying, look, we're going to find the guy's strengths and we're going to play to him. And I absolutely love that. Let's say you guys. Let's get out to PJ in Reston. PJ, what's going on?
5: Hey, happy Saturday, everybody. It's a nice, nice, uh, warm, warm February day. It's kind of unique. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, Yeah, so, you know, I've I've been for a long time, I've been uh, pining for for Dan Quinn. Uh, I had four choices which were in no order. Uh, Ben Johnson, Mike McDonald, Mike Rabel, and Dan Quinn. But, you know, that was my, my top group. You could rank them any way you like it. It's very subjective to even rank them. Now, uh, something I just wanted to mention, uh, a lot of people, and I don't mean this in any way snarky or anything, this is a more of a genuine way because sometimes things can get lost in translation via phone or text if somebody's not face-to-face. Sure. Um, I know that you were saying that you were not that excited about Dan Quinn, and I, I, I respect it, but now you're kind of warming up to him. And a lot of people have said that. The question I want to pose is uh, something people gotta understand is that Ben Johnson was more of an idea than an actual substance. We, ben Johnson did us a favor by not coming to coach us. The fact that Ben Johnson uh, did not have the foresight to think that, you know, somebody like Bob Myers who came from the NBA but was an a A-plus level, uh, you know, front office person uh, is only a basketball person. That shows kind of a little bit – I don't want to say lack of intelligence because he's a brilliant guy, but a lack of malleability with his intelligence. That's an indicator that if he was the coach – if you can get stuck on just Bob Myers being a GM, there's going to be a lot of other issues with you as a coach. I don't think Sean McVay or Mike Shanahan would have ever said that about Bob Myers. Also, when people uh, who, I was just curious to say, my Ben Johnson was an idea. Uh, Mike McDonald went to Seattle because he got to play with a lot of defensive toys. If we had Chase, Young I'm not saying we should have kept Chase Young and Montez sweat, but if we had Chase, uh Chase Young and Montez sweat, maybe McDonald would have uh, stayed here because he, you know, when you're a defensive coach and you have all these defensive toys in Seattle, you can't blame the guy for wanting to go and coach those guys up, right? Uh, the only guy that was kind of weird to me that we didn't interview with was, was, was Mike Vabrell. So when people say they're not that warm on Dan Quinn, who exactly would, you know, respectfully would you guys have all hired instead? Because, you know, it's easy to say this guy is not this and that, but who would the solution be? And once again, I don't mean that's like snarky yeah, at all. Yeah. Um, I just mean that like genuinely because everyone says that. And the very last thing, um, this whole thing like, oh, Dan Quinn, another Ron Rivera. um, I was surprised when I heard sports fans say it. I was even more surprised when I heard a lot of media fans, media people say it. Uh, I just wouldn't, I would have thought they would have been kind of a little bit more in tune to say that. It's such a lazy comparison. The only thing that's in comparison is that they're both the former defensive coordinators. Uh, Dan Quinn has a unique, all kind of a genius-like ability to connect with people almost like an, like a, some great philosopher, like a, like a, Eckert told with philosophy could, right? Some people just have a gift of communicating with people. And Kyle Shanahan is arguably the best offensive play caller, but the reason Atlanta lost that 28-3 lead was because of Kyle Shanahan's hubris in the fourth quarter where if you simply hand off the ball and get zero yards every single play, you would have won the game just by milking the clock. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's my thoughts my on that. Love the show, Toby. Love the positive energy. You guys have a beautiful, brilliant Saturday, everybody.
4: P.J., appreciate it, man. Yeah, just a couple things off of that. So the head coaches I liked, I liked Ben Johnson, I liked Mike McDonald's, and I liked Bobby Slowick. I don't know if Slowick was ready for a head coaching job. Maybe that's a little bit of what Johnson went through last year where Slowick basically looked at himself and says, do I really want to go get a head coaching job this cycle if I'm, not, if I'm not ready? I don't want to end up being bad at it, get fired after two or three years, and maybe don't get another shot at it. So maybe Slowick just wasn't ready. McDonald obviously didn't work out, and I think that's a good point. You know, I I think if they really wanted McDonald, they could have gotten him, but you you had to not let him go to Seattle, you know? Like to let him go to Seattle for a second time. So I don't necessarily want to spend too much time on what happened because we've spent plenty of time talking about that. Ben Johnson, I think you brought up some good points, but those were my three. I wasn't big on Dan Quinn. I like Vrabel. The thing with Vrabel, he probably comes with some want to say in – Personnel decisions. And when you hire a brand new GM, it's probably better to find a guy that's not going to want to have a say in those things. Why? Because then you start having an issue with the hierarchy of structure because Vrabel's been a coach for a while. He's well respected around the league. And now you have a first year GM and he can almost look down on him. Not saying that would happen, but it's just a pitfall that could happen. So I think that's probably part of the reason why they didn't do it. Obviously, Peters is friends with Rand Carthon. You know and that's the guy that fired him in Tennessee so I I don't again I don't know all this stuff but I'm pretty happy with Dan Quinn at this point at least what I've heard it's coming around on me I, I'm not you know it wasn't my first choice but it also got to a point where it wasn't looking great for any option so I don't know I I think it's just gonna take time to grow on me but this is something that I feel like with the whole organization now with the Josh Harris group I think you just got to give these guys the benefit of the doubt and give them a chance, which is something that we haven't done with this organization in a while. Usually it was something, and unless it was a home run, that everyone thought it was, eh, I don't think it's going to work out. Why? Oh, it's Washington. This time around, I think maybe you can. I'm going to trust Peters. I'm going to trust Quinn. I'm going to trust these guys. And they still got to prove it, but I'm going to trust they can figure it out because, frankly, I'm still not sold on the Cliff Kingsbury hire on the offensive side. We'll see. I'll give them a benefit of the doubt. I wasn't a huge fan of what he was doing in Arizona. But, you know, again, I'm going to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. Let's get out to Chris, who is in Indian Head. Chris, what's going on?
0: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, I was listening to what you were saying, and uh, I think I like Dan Quinn. I think he wasn't the media darling, but he's a solid coach. He has a good reputation, and uh, the fact of the matter is uh, before – he came to Dallas, their defense sucked. And then he came in there, he turned them around, and they were good for the next three years leading the league in turnovers. So the results are there. Um, I love the hire of bringing in a, um, a great offensive of mind And Kingsbury, uh, uh, that works really well with quarterbacks. I hope that he goes after somebody like a Stump Mitchell for a running back's coach. Um, who has proven to bring, bring out the best in his running backs, um, and then hopefully he gets a really good offensive line coach. And then and, and he has a solid uh, cast of coaches behind him to ensure that he is successful. Um, uh, you brought up Isaiah Simmons, who, who's likely to be a free agent uh, after being in New York. He, he was, they didn't re-sign him to a new deal yet. Uh, maybe we could bring him in and turn him into uh, our version of a cam chancellor so it's, it's very open-ended and very uh, uh, promising for here in washington
4: yeah chris appreciate the phone call yeah i think that there's a lot of opportunities with the roster with the 75 million in cap space with the extra draft picks you know outside a quarterback at number two outside a quarterback you know you can get excited about maybe getting an offensive lineman maybe you're get a an edge rusher or a corner or something like that, a safety, something like that in the second and third round. Like I I think they can do a lot of good. And that's why, again, I think you have to give the benefit of the doubt to these guys and let Adam Peters do his thing. Chris brought it up earlier. I mean, this is the top talent evaluator that was available. So trust this guy to go out there and do his job and hope he does it well. So I'm excited to see what these guys can do. I don't, you know, we can go through this list a little bit later. I don't know that we'll really get a chance to do it, but the thing that I really liked about the Dan Quinn, higher in terms of what we've heard so far is the clip that we played earlier. You know, we can talk about all the extra stuff. To me, I don't care who the coach was. If it were Ben Johnson, if it were Bobby Sloick, Mike McDonald, Mike Vrabel, I I don't really care. You can name any name. That kind of an answer is what I want to hear from a head coach. Having a guy that says, I'm going to come in here, I'm going to find the strengths of a player and we're going to play to it. I think that's something that Bill Belichick did a fantastic job of for years. And that's why they were so good, especially defensively. Obviously, they had Brady on the offensive side, but think about those defensive game plans they would put together. Yes, they would cater to how they can stop the other offense, but they would make sure, all right, this guy needs to fit in this role. Is he able to do that? No? Okay, let's find someone else that is good at that. And I think that's something that the really good coaches do a really good job of, It's saying, this guy can do this, so I'm going to put him in this situation. And so many times, we've seen it here plenty of times, with this team, you end up putting guys in bad situations, and they look bad because of it, and that's why I don't know that looking at this roster, it's as bad as some people think it is, because going into the season, I mean, this is a team that coming off the previous year, was 8-8-1, and was getting a new offensive coordinator, was starting a new quarterback, and he thought maybe it could be decent because they had some decent pieces. It didn't work out this year, but I also think that the coaches put them in bad spots, and that could be all of them. It could be Ron, that could be Jack, That could be EB. All of them put their guys in pretty bad spots this year because they didn't cater to what the personnel said. I mean, I think this is the difference between a college coach and an NFL coach. With an NFL coach, you kind of have to adapt your scheme a little bit, and you have to be able to adapt to these things because sometimes you just have to get the talent there, and you have to find ways to make it work because of the limitations with the salary cap, whether guys want to go there or not. Think about college, you can build a system and I can keep recruiting guys to that system. You can do that to an extent in the NFL, but not nearly to the extent you can do it in college football. And so that to me is what you need to see out of this team. And who knows if Dan Quinn's going to do it? Who knows if Cliff Kingsbury's going to do it? Who knows if Joe Witt's going to be able to do it? I don't know. But I like that that's at least what their emphasis was. Now, this is something, if this team starts 0-5, rookie quarterback, things aren't going well, defense is porous again, then whatever. You know, we can throw all that away. But I do like the idea that the philosophy early on is that we're going to play to guys' strengths. You know, I cut part of that clip out because that was the the question, if you had to choose some adjectives to describe the team, what would you want? And I believe he said fast and explosive and physical. And that's what I like to hear, explosive and physical, but we're going to play to the guys' strengths. And we're going to find guys that fit into what we're trying to do. I like that. I really do. Let's Take a break. When we come back, I think it's really good to hear what Dan Quinn had to say. But if we go back, we've played this clip before, but Sean McVay and Les Snead were in the draft room and talking about a guy that was a pretty close candidate for winning Offensive Rookie of the Year. And hearing them in the draft room, and then hearing what Dan Quinn had to say, if they can marry what they're saying to what they're doing this organization could turn around we'll play that clip for you next you're on the call from mom answer it
0: call silenced
1: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game
0: you have 47 new voicemails
4: One zero six seven the fan Odyssey app Toby Altizer with you till three fifteen we'll turn it over to Capitals hockey then so I wanted to hear a clip from the Rams YouTube Twitter I think they put it out on draft night and I, I, we can play both clips because if you have if you missed a Dan Quinn clip I played a little bit earlier we can play it but. Let's hear from Les Snead and Sean McVay. They're talking in the draft room about Puka Nakua, and we can listen to the parallels between what he's saying here and what Dan Quinn had to say at his introductory press conference. Here's Sean McVay and Les Snead.
3: I think this guy would be really good for us, Les.
4: I want a guy that is going to be where he's supposed to be, that
2: will stay grounded through the catch, aggressive hands, that will dig out support in the run game, and then that we can also give him, he can be an extension of the run game.
3: take the whole draft. This guy can be a functional piece of an offensive
0: operation. He's a tough kid. To me, he showed, all right, there's a tenacity and a toughness and a fight, and if you teach him technique, he'll go, you know, we got the... The guy you want to—you got a vision for. Him. Totally, we're gonna nail that day.
4: And those last couple right there is kind of the whole synopsis of it. You've got a vision for this pick, and McVeigh says totally. And I think if you go back and listen, we'll play the Dan Quinn clip again. I think you can hear that that's what they're talking about, and that's so encouraging because we saw what Puka Nakua did this year. It was clear that they had a vision. They got him in the building and said, oh, he can do this too. He can do this as well. And they built off of it and developed him. I think hearing what Dan Quinn has to say is so similar to what you just heard in that clip from McVeigh.
6: It's so important for us to find guys of things they can do versus things they can't do. And uh, I can remember early on as a coach here at a scout table, like, oh, he's a little slow, he's you know not very long, but he's, he's so, man I can't wait to watch him you know it was, I want to find the unique stuff that a guy does have and then how do we put him into this and so if we bring a guy here I want to make sure I'm very clear to Adam to say this is how we would feature this player he's the you know the F tight end he's the second halfback he's the starting you know defensive end whatever that looks like and then we can push that player into that vision quite honestly when players leave college they don't know what their vision is And that's our job to help them get there. And why do guys develop faster than others? Sometimes the vision of what they can become is so different than what they did in college. They were chose a college, the system changed, the coaching staff changed, whatever it might have been. And now you put them into a space that you know how to feature them. So why do late round draft picks and free agents take off? There was a specific plan for how that guy could be used. And that's the connection I have to be able to give to Adam as often as I can.
4: And you hear it there late round draft pick, have to have a plan. That's Puka Nakua. Puka was a fifth round draft pick and Sean McVay had a clear vision for a way to use him and he turned him into the leading rookie receiver of all time. So I like hearing that out of Dan Quinn because it gives you hope that they're just going to find guys that they can mold into what they need and they're going to play to guys' strengths. And I like also at the beginning of that clip You hear from Dan Quinn saying, finding the unique abilities of guys and using them to their strengths. I really like that. Because you think about some of the guys who have become some of the really good players in this league. Think about Tyreek Hill and what he was when he was drafted. Now, he he probably would have been drafted a little bit earlier if it weren't some of the -the off-the-field stuff. But he was drafted in Kansas City. They took a shot on him as like a punt returner. And they found ways to get him onto the field. You know, if you go back and listen to the I think it's a football life and it's about Julian Edelman and they said well it's 40 times not fast but his cone speed was unreal and so they said well we'll find a way we'll find what your strengths are and then we'll try to play to those and you know you had to develop them and do all these extra stuff I think he was a seventh round pick but you see what he became and we could go through all of this I mean Adam Peters saw what George Kittle became as a fifth round draft pick I think Fred Warner was a third-round pick. Obviously, Brock Purdy being what he is as a seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant. And I think it gives you hope because so often what happens with these teams is they play it like you and I play video games or our fantasy draft, and frankly, it's not the same, and it's not even close to the same. There has to be a chemistry. There has to be a scheme. And as much as we like to say, oh, he's a system quarterback or he's a system that... That's not a knock on a guy. If he fits perfectly in the system, then you did a good job scouting and drafting him and putting him into the correct system. There's so many guys who would not be the same player, Hall of Famers even, that would not be the same player if you put them into a different scheme, if you tried to do something else with them, because that wasn't of their strengths. If you put them in a bad spot, and there are guys who are looked at as draft busts and bad players and people that say, oh, terrible. And if you put them in a different scheme with a different coach, then they could have been Hall of Fame-type players. So you can look on both sides of the coin. But I think, again, they're going to have to put this into practice, and that's something that we're going to have to watch and evaluate and see. So I'm not trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I think that Dan Quinn absolutely killed this week, as the first week as a Washington Commanders head coach, by his answers. It's all proof in the pudding now. But coming out and saying that gives me the most hope. Coming out and saying, we're looking to find the unique abilities of players. We're looking to find where these guys separate. Because the margin for error, this is something that John Allen talked about when he was with us at our 106.7 versus Team 980 night. He talked about the margin of error or the margin between winning and losing in the National Football League is so small. It's so small. It might not have seemed that way this year for the Commanders. It might have seemed like that margin was quite large. (laughs) Some games it was quite large. But the reality is it can be the margin of 1 to 2 to 3 to 4, 5 plays. And sometimes that margin is simply a guy having to do something that he's not good at and failing at it, as opposed to the other side putting a guy in a position to succeed because that's where his strength is. And so you got to trust that those two working together, you know, Adam Peters working with Dan Quinn, and they're talking about a guy and just similar to what we heard with McVay talking with Les Sneed there. you know, They're talking about a guy in the war room on draft night and not even necessarily at number two overall for a quarterback, but in that fourth round, that fifth round, that sixth round, that seventh round. And you're looking at a guy and you say, a- Adam looks over to Dan and says, what, what do you think here? And he goes, oh, I like this guy because I think he can fit perfectly into what we're trying to do here as a linebacker. I think he can fit perfectly here because he's got that good burst off the edge and that's what we're looking for out of our defensive ends. I don't know exactly what they're, criteria is, but having ideas like, oh, okay, this guy can fit right here because he's a good blocking tight end, or he's a, he's a good receiving tight end can't necessarily block. So we're not going to ask him to block much, or we got a receiver who doesn't have the deep down the field speed, but he can run the drags and the intermediate routes for us. Let's get him to do that. I think having a coach that has that clear vision of saying we're going to try to maximize our guys' strengths as opposed to throwing them out there and making them play to their weaknesses is the most encouraging thing that I've heard out of Dan Quinn this whole week. Because if they can do that, that changes things. That changes things so much because last year, the guys were not playing to their strengths. We already talked about Emmanuel Forbes. And some of these guys, I think if you put them in the right spots, can be really good football players. I don't think Terry McLaurin was put in the best spot last year. I don't think Jahan Dotson was put in the best spot last year. Frankly, I don't think Sam Howell was put in the best spot last year. But I think they're going to get a new quarterback either way. But the point is, if you can find coaches, and again, this is all proof in the pudding now. So I'm not saying that Dan Quinn is the right hire. I'm not saying he's going to be an excellent head coach. I'm not saying Cliff Kingsbury is going to be a great offensive coordinator or Joe Witt or Larry Izzo or any of these guys. The proof is now, can we see it on the football field? But having the philosophy going in that you're going to hear in the rooms, because that's what I liked from hearing from Dan Quinn is he talks so long about various things that you just know that some of these things are going to feed over into the meeting rooms. That's what he's going to be talking about, saying, all right, guys, let's find the strengths of our guys and build to that. Frankly, I'm still a little bit skeptical of a majority of the coaching staff. I'll give them a chance. But when you hear answers like that, it makes me come around and say, all right, it could work here take a break when we come back we'll focus on the big game tomorrow Super Bowl 58 the Chiefs take on the 49ers we'll give you our full preview and picks coming up next here on the fan
3: this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive it works just the way it sounds
2: you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
4: It's time here on 106.7 The Fan to look ahead to tomorrow evening, Super Bowl 58. Kansas City Chiefs versus the San Francisco 49ers. Toby Altizer with you alongside my guy, Money Metal Chris. We're going to give you our picks in just a little bit. We'll also preview the game. But I did want to talk about this. I talked about it with Bart a little bit. I want to get your take on this, Chris. I think it's so interesting because throughout time, if you were to just give generic definitions of various positions, you'd get, you know, generic, good, uh, what a position should be, right? You think wide receiver. Guy that runs routes effectively and catches the football. Right. Tight end can block, but can also catch the football running back, runs through the open holes. You think quarterback, what would you think the general definition of quarterback was? Lead the offense, call the play, throw the ball to the open guy. A- am I wrong there? Like that's yeah, the,
7: handoffs too.
4: Yeah, hand the ball off, but generically, in terms of throwing the football, it's throw it to the open guy. Yeah. Is that not Brock Purdy? Yeah. Like, that that, that to me is Brock Purdy. And so many people want to say, oh, he's not a top-ten quarterback. Oh, he's not this. He's not that. Look, I get it. Talent-wise, there are plenty of guys that would take over Brock Purdy. But there's something to be said about the talent or the ability. I mean,
7: he can scramble, too, is kind of the one thing I think people forget. Absolutely. I wouldn't call him a running quarterback, per se, but he can scramble out of the pocket and at least – extend a play that might not be able to, and there is something to that too, you know. Since
4: when did we knock guys, though, for just throwing to open guys? Like, yeah, would he be the same if Debo Samuel weren't on the team? Probably not. Would Patrick Mahomes be the same without Travis Kelsey? I think he'd still be really good, but he would take a knock as well, right? So it's something where... We love to knock them because they have a really good roster around them.
7: Tyreek Hill left and he seemed to do.
4: Yeah. So I don't know. I still think Patrick Mahomes would still be the best in the league. I'm not trying to take away from him. I'm just saying like, we love to knock guys because they have everything around them. To me, when you look at Brock Purdy, yeah, I'm not taking him over Patrick Mahomes. I'm not taking him over a lot of guys in terms of talent. I'm not starting a team with him, but with the, with what he does in the system, with what he does with Kyle Shanahan, with what he does with the weapons around him, how is he not a top 10 quarterback? I mean, this is a guy that drops back pretty efficient with the football. He struggled in the postseason, so there are detractors there that make sense. I mean, he's he's been inaccurate with the football in the postseason. He's made a couple plays with his legs, but overall, we haven't seen the same guy. But, I mean, for the most part this season, he's been a guy that drops back, evaluates the defense, and throws the ball to the open guy.
7: Yeah, I think a lot of this, I mean, this comes from the coaching, really, I think, more than anything. Kyle Shanahan, I mean, he built the pistol offense around RG3. You know, and it's like it's he clearly has a talent for finding out what his quarterbacks are good at and what they're bad at and playing to those quarterbacks' strengths. And I think he's done the same with Brock Purdy, where he's essentially maximized Brock, Pur- Brock Purdy's positive attributes, and that's what you want in your coaches to do.
4: Yeah, like, and I'm not going to knock the quarterback for that. Like, again, if we're going off of a top-10 quarterback list, I think when you do that, you can have different criteria. Some people, when they say, oh, I'm going top 10 quarterbacks, they go strictly off talent. Yeah, maybe you leap Brock Purdy off that list. When I create a top 10 quarterback list, I'm going off of talent, but I'm also going off of what they've done that I can see on the football field because that's ultimately what matters. You I got mean, to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the thing. If we're going off of talent alone, then Justin Herbert should always be in the playoffs. Justin Herbert's not always in the playoffs because the production hasn't always been there. The team hasn't always been there. So I can understand, you know, football's the ultimate team game. But I think that Brock Purdy, it's just so funny to me because the general American story that we love is the underdog. We love the underdog. We make movies about underdogs every single year. We write books. We do all this stuff about underdogs. And Mr. Irrelevant, the guy who was the last pick in the NFL draft last year, is about to start in the Super Bowl against the best quarterback in the National Football League. I mean, he could potentially everyone, be everyone Super Bowl wants to, MVP. Exactly. Everyone wants to discredit this guy and hate him and say, oh, he's not that good. He he actually kind of sucks. Better than I am. He made it to a Super Bowl. He's already hit a home run, right? I mean, this is a guy that shouldn't even really made a NFL roster. How many times? I mean, Washington's had a, a guy. Trey Quinn was Mr. Irrelevant. Awesome rookie year and awesome in terms of, he had a couple catches, and like if we look back at the stats, he probably had, what, 400 yards, 500 yards? Like, <laughs> awesome in terms of what? like Compared to expectations, sure. And yet this is a guy that was in the MVP conversation. Now, I'll give you this. I was watching the NFL Honors the other night, and I thought it was hilarious when they have MVP, and the first dude that pops up is Brock Purdy. I, I kind of chuckled a little bit because, it, to me, <laughs> he doesn't deserve to be in the same conversation as uh, Josh Allen or those guys. But at the same point, how can you not be? He's winning football games. He's doing what he's asked. Like, one thing that we've done so poorly is we've gotten so enamored with the social media clips. We've gotten so enamored with the video game style plays from Patrick Mahomes. You know, just the crazy things that we see Josh Allen do on a week-in, week-out basis. And we discount guys that can just sit back there and dice up a defense by throwing it to dudes that are open anticipating throws. And you say, well, it's all Kyle Shanahan. The quarterback still has to execute it. Oh, yeah. The quarterback still has to do all these things. Oh, yeah. So I just think it's crazy that we've gotten to a point now where when we evaluate quarterback, we're like, can he run around like Lamar? Eh, no. Uh, well, maybe. Uh, Pat. Does he have the rocket arm like Patrick Mahomes and the accuracy? No. Well, he's probably not that good then. What happened to the, the guys that can just drop back Look at a defense and see, all right, they're in cover two. This zone's going to be open. This is my cover two beater in this play. Let me get the ball here. That's what Brock Purdy does on a down-in, down-out basis, and somehow he's viewed as some dude that sucks and is a jag, but got lucky and got to a Super Bowl.
7: What am I missing? It's not all luck. I mean, you don't get to the Super Bowl as a quarterback on all luck. That's just, you know.
4: And again, I'm not going to be an idiot and naive here and think, Oh, if you just put him on the football Unless Drew Bledsoe
7: team. got injured and that put you in the starting <laughs> position. But other than that, you don't yeah. get to the Super
4: Bowl on pure luck. Right? <laughs> but I'm not going to be naive and think, oh, you plug Brock Purdy into any of the 32 teams and he's going to be in the Super Bowl this year. No, I'm not that naive. But again, I mean, this kind of works hand in hand with our discussion we just had. You said they play to Purdy's strengths. They find ways to make it work. Shanahan's adapted the offense to make it work with the guys that he has. You and know, he's, he's got some weapons to adapt A- exactly. to there, you know?
7: Christian McCaffrey. Like, it's just insane what they can do there. And,
4: so. and this is my point, too, about this. When we look at these teams and you can look at the commanders and you say, well, I mean, look what they've done with Brock Purdy. And, yes, he has his limitations. And he wasn't a high draft pick. But in order to accommodate a guy who is Mr. Irrelevant, a guy who, you know, he's going to get $40, $50 million in a couple of years, and I don't know if he's going to be able to live up to that contract because some of the guys around him are going to go away. But for the time being, i
7: We're not the ones paying it. Yeah.
4: <laughs> But for the time being, I'm not going to dock him for because he, he has really good talent around him. But if you're the commanders and you say, well, you could find a quarterback and make things work, they have the number one running back in the league. They have the number one left tackle in the league. They have one of the best number one wide receivers in the league in Brandon Ayuk. They have one of the best versatile weapons in the league in Debo Samuel. They have, I would say, number two or number three tight end in the league, George Kittle. And they've got a good defense. And they've got the best fullback in the league, too, if you want to throw that in there. So you can say, let's build up the team before we get the quarterback. And you, we can get to the Super Bowl. That's fine. You better have a really freaking good running back, a really stinking good wide receiver, probably another one, a good tight end, a really good defense. And so when you say, let's build up the rest of the team, that's fine. You're having to build it up, like with stone pillars. They've done it, though. I mean, they've actually done And they've done, done it. a fantastic job of it. And that's, you know, maybe Adam Peters wants to try that route. But guess what? You can be the Kansas City Chiefs and you have one of the best receiving t- tight ends of all time. Not going to take that away. A decent rookie receiver who's kind of turned into a really good rookie receiver as the season's gone on, a good running back. And then what's the rest of their offense? Like, they've got some good guys up the middle. They've got some really, you got one of the best
7: centers in the league. Are you suggesting, though, that Peter should take, with whatever our last pick is, I don't even know how many picks we have in the last round, but with the last pick that we should take a quarterback also there? <laughs> just to, like...
4: Trade for that <laughs> last pick in the draft and just take some long Trade shot down to the quarterback last so we can talk about it. You know what? For content reasons. So we have something to talk about. So we can sit there and be like... You know what? If Jaden Daniels doesn't work out, they've got some dude that they drafted out of who knows where as Mr. Irrelevant. Maybe he's the next Brock Purdy. (laughs) You know what, Chris? You might be onto something there. Maybe they try something like that. But I just think it's kind of crazy. You look at the 49ers and just looking at their team, I think they're the more talented team that's going to be on the field tomorrow. I think you look up and down that roster. I just talked through, the stud players they have all over the place, and that's not even talking on the defensive side of the ball. Nick Bosa's a top three pass rusher in the NFL off the edge. I think Fred Warner's the best linebacker in the league. They've got Travarius Ward, who's been a solid cornerback. Like they not forget got,
7: Chase Young, former number two overall draft pick.
4: I will forget Chase Young, number two overall draft pick. They've got some real talent all over that roster. But again, it just seems like when you look on the other side and you see 15 in red, And you see Andy Reid over there. It's kind of tough to pick against them. It really is. But just focusing on the Niners, we'll kind of talk about the Chiefs in the next segment. Just looking at this Niners team and how they've built everything, you hope that Adam Peters can bring a lot of that with him here, that he can do a lot of these things. Because you look throughout that roster, and yeah, they hit on a draft pick with Debo. They hit on a draft pick with Iuke. They've also signed some guys in free agency. But they've also hit some trades. So they've kind of built their team through all of them. You know, Christian McCaffrey was a trade. You know, uh, you look at Trent Williams. He was a trade. Those sort of things. So it's going to be interesting to see what they can do. Not all first-round picks either. Fred Warner, third-rounder. George Kittle, a fifth-rounder. So I'm interested to see what they can do. That being said, I mean, the Niners have all that talent. But it's going to come down to Brock Purdy, I think. You know, this is a real chance for him to prove himself and kind of silence some of those doubters. I think this game is going to be played a lot on the ground. And it's going to be a very game-manager-like game. And honestly, Patrick Mahomes has played very game-manager-like in some of these games. But when he needs to step up, and this is something that's differentiated Brock Purdy and why they're in the Super Bowl. When he's needed to step up in the late portions of the game, he stepped up and made plays. Whether it was a feat, making a really good throw. I don't think Purdy's been particularly good in the playoffs but he's been able at the end of the game to elevate his game be more than just that game manager. that rain
7: game he was pretty pretty
4: he was awful really except for those final two drives really and I think it's going to be a similar thing for Mahomes obviously we trust that he's going to be able to make the spectacular plays but I don't think he's going to have to be making 40 throws I don't think he's going to have to create the whole Will be
7: cold enough for him in Vegas that's the question
4: (laughs) (laughs) I think they're going to run the football with Pacheco so honestly if the if the Niners can stop the run that'll be huge but I think it's going to come down to those last couple of drives. It's going to come down to the quarterbacks. Can Purdy come up and make the plays? He doesn't have to outdo Mahomes. He just has to make the plays that are in front of him. And if he can, I think the Niners are the more talented team. Take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the Chiefs. And then at 3 o'clock, we'll give our Super Bowl predictions. And at 3.15, Capitals Hockey comes up right here on The Fan. <laughs> Super Bowl 58 tomorrow. You can hear that game right here on the fan, by the way. Kickoff at 630. Toby Altizer with you here for two more segments before we kick it out to Boston. Shipping up to Boston, maybe? (laughs) Bruins take on the Capitals. You can hear it right here on the fan. Take a look at the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to spoil my prediction. I think they're going to (laughs) win. We got to try to save that for a segment, but just by everything I'm going to talk about. and. Again, as much as we talked about Brock Purdy in the last segment, talking about San Francisco, I think everything comes down to the quarterback here. How can you take anyone, anyone against Patrick Mahomes? You can take Tom Brady, maybe. He's not playing anymore. Maybe Joe Burrow. Those are the only two guys to ever beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. Is Brock Purdy on that level? I don't think he is. I like Brock Purdy. I already talked about him. I defended Brock Purdy. He's not Joe Burrow. He's not Tom Brady, and look, we can table the discussion of Tom Brady Goat and Patrick Mahomes, can he pass him? That's so long from now. Tom Brady has seven rings. Unless Patrick Mahomes gets somewhere close to seven rings, maybe surpasses him. Tom Brady beat him in a Super Bowl, so I have a hard time doing that.
7: But That first ring he got was kind of, you know.
4: Either way, he's got a ring.
7: Oh, I know, but, you know, he kind of. Into the team. Hey,
4: he's got a ring, man. You got
7: I'm not, it. I'm not going to discount. I'm he's just got saying, s- you know, he's got
4: seven of those rings, man. Yeah, yeah. You can't debate that. Patrick Mahomes has two with a chance for three, but I don't know how you can bet against this guy. I, I don't know how you can. Like, it seems like it's crazy because this year has been different too. You know, in previous years, their first Super Bowl run, I think they were down, what, 24 to nothing to the Houston Texans and they came back and won. I think they trailed in every single playoff game that year and they won a Super Bowl. It seems like when you think of the Kansas City Chiefs, it's always about these crazy comebacks. Think about the thirteen seconds game. Against well, Mahomes
7: just pulling off these, you know, wild about to be sacked, dodges somebody, runs right, throws left across field, somehow nails a well, guy for thirty yards or something. You're like, what on earth?
4: Like, and that's been the difference this year too, right? Yeah. You think of the the Dolphins game they played from ahead. I'm trying to remember the Bills game, did they play from ahead in that one? I know they played ahead against Baltimore two weeks ago. They're playing from ahead now, and I think that's the difference. You know,
7: I mean, I feel they got a lot better in the postseason than they were. Oh, one hundred percent. You know, the first ten weeks of the season, kind of the opposite of the Eagles here. You know, they
4: found something in that Dolphins game, even though they weren't punching it in for touchdowns. They had to settle for a lot of field goals, but they found something in that Dolphins game in the wild card rounds and it's kind of carried over. And I think what they've done too, to Andy Reid's credit, for whatever reason, they've always loved to rotate through receivers, and it's crazy to go back and. You know, we have NFL Network on in here and they're playing some of the old Super Bowls. And it's crazy to see the last time these two teams matched up in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54, they had Tyreek Hill. And you see what Tyreek Hill did this year. And you're like, how did he not have 2,000 yards with Kansas City? But they love to rotate through their receivers and do all these various things. And no one ever gets tired, but they're using five receivers. Look at them now. They are not using five receivers. They're very tightened on their rotation there. They're basically getting the ball to Pacheco, Rice or Kelsey, and that's about it. Now It reminds me of like Cam
7: with Olsen a lot, honestly. Yeah,
4: And, you know, they've had to tighten that up, and that's something where they've adapted. And it's just been crazy to see the growth throughout the year, and they're just finding ways to continue to do things. And when it all breaks down, you still got Patrick Mahomes back there. And it's something to be said. I mean, these guys are making timely plays. Marquez Valdez-Scantling was horrible all year long. Everyone was dunking on this guy because he dropped passes all year long. Look at the two games, uh, two of the three games so far in the playoffs, making huge catches down the stretch. And that, there's something to be said about battle-tested teams, and that's Kansas City. And so it's hard to bet against them because they can play from ahead, obviously, but they can play from behind because we've seen them make comebacks before, too.
7: I also think they've been to the Super Bowl several times in the last few years, and those jitters are going to be hitting the 49ers players, a lot of that roster, a lot more than it's going to be the Kansas City guys. you well, know,
4: And Kansas City, too. As much as we're going to talk about Mahomes, they have, out of any year, maybe, there's less on Mahomes because of the defense and what they're able to do, and they're able to run the football with Pacheco. It's not always the most efficient, but they proved that there is a run game. They've been more disciplined to run the football so that the they're not extending the game. I mean, this isn't the Kansas City Chiefs team that won a Super Bowl with Tyreek Hill. This isn't a team where they would say, let's see if we can get out there and score 45 points and see if you can keep up. No, they're saying, let's drain some of this clock. And at the end, we'll trust that our guy, number 15, is going to win the football It's almost like old
7: Joe Gibbs ball. You yeah, know, just and, and, run the ball, control the clock, and eventually the other team's you know, defense gets exhausted, that kind of stuff. And
4: the interior of this offensive line, now it's big that they're not going to have Joe Tooney. It's really big that they're not going to have him. Doesn't seem to matter as much against Baltimore. But, you know, they don't turn the ball over. Patrick Mahomes has barely put the ball in harm's way, if at all, so far in the postseason. I think he's going to continue to play that way. And so I don't know that this is going to be a high-flying affair. I don't even know that you're going to see Patrick Mahomes throw for 300 yards tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those games where he's even sub 250, you know, 240 through the air, a couple touchdowns, no picks, very conservative, and make San Francisco beat you. Because the thing is, if you get down to the last three minutes and you're within one score or take a chance to win the game, I'll take my chances with Patrick Mahomes. And so if you're Andy Reid... I'm playing for that. I'm not, you know, not saying that you're going to settle, and not saying that you're trying to just hopefully not lose the game. But I'm playing super conservative for the most part. I'm not trying to be too, too crazy here. I'm going to let my defense continue to dominate. I'm going to make Brock Purdy beat me, and I don't know that he can. I don't know that he can against Patrick Mahomes because if, if need be, they'll say, "Hey, 15, pull out the cape, let's go," and I'll take my chances. Patrick Mahomes can do that, so. We'll give our official predictions. We'll give our score predictions. Maybe talk about some of the different prop bets or whatnot we like next. We'll give it uh, over to Capitals Hockey coming up at 315. Keep it tuned right here to the fan. Final 10 minutes here on the fan before we turn it over to Capitals Hockey out in Boston taking on the Bruins, looking to snap a six-game losing streak. Hopefully, O V can keep his three-game goal streak going. You can keep it right here on The Fan. John Walton with the call as the Caps are out in Boston taking on the Bruins here in just a couple minutes. Wrapping up here, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. We'll give you our picks in just a little bit. But first, I mean, Chris, man, I don't know if you get FOMO, but I've had some serious FOMO seeing all these dudes, seeing Grant, seeing AWOD, seeing Craig, all these dudes, B, Mitch and Finley, those dudes out there at Radio Row in Vegas. It looked like a time, man. It looked like a lot of fun out there.
7: I don't know, I was hearing some of the technical difficulties uh, B. Mitch and Finley were having and stuff, and I know that if I was out there, I'd be the guy dealing with that. <laughs>
4: Can you just enjoy yourself for a second, though? Wouldn't it be fun? I mean, it looked fantastic out there. I'm, and I'm not shocked at all. I mean, it's Vegas. I mean, if there's one sure. place that could put on an event like this better oh, yeah. than anywhere else, it's going to be Vegas. But it just looks fantastic. Yeah,
7: I remember Grant saw U2, I think, in the big dome. Out the there, the big ball yeah, thing? Yeah, I, I want to go and there, the, man. The, the, I don't even care about YouTube. It was pretty cool seeing the videos no, that he I, I, posted of that. I
4: don't care what it is. I want to go to that thing. It looks fantastic. Yeah, it looks pretty fun. It looks incredible. It looks like there's not many things after you get to a certain age and various like there's not many things that just like feel like they would put you in awe, or, or <laughs> things that would just like visually shock you at like the the magnitude or the cra- you know like sure. maybe seeing like a a natural landmark or something like that, like a Grand Canyon or something. might do that, but seeing the sphere. Seeing a concert there,
7: yeah, just looks like it would be crazy. It's almost like when you see an IMAX movie as a kid or something, you know, it just seems so enormous. Like-
4: yeah, like th- that stuff. Just, I don't even know how you come up with the idea that we're just going to create this giant ball and you're going to sit on one side and the entire rest of it's going to be a screen. I-, I don't even know how you come up with that idea, but just absolutely incredible. So I'm glad everybody had fun out in Vegas. I kind of, kind of wish I got that chance. Kind of wish I got that chance to be out there. You think? um, it feels like now every other Super Bowl is going to be a bit of a letdown for people. Like, not to say that other places aren't great, but doesn't it seem like they pulled out all the stops in Vegas and now it's going to be like, eh. I mean, it's cool.
7: I, I, I remember when they did, like, New York a few years ago and you could, like, go catch a Broadway show. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of cities that have a lot of entertainment. New Orleans seems absolutely fun. I remember with that one year, it was, like, right around Mardi Gras. So it was like, you could do Mardi Gras and the Super Bowl, like, in the same week. I was like... That just seems absolutely awesome also. So, so here's the
4: question. New stadium here in D.C. at some point, we yeah. hope. Want a Super Bowl here?
7: I mean, I'm sure they'll put, if they build a new stadium, you kind of always get one. So yeah. Sure.
4: Would, it be, would it be cool, though?
7: I don't know. D.C., you know, is the number two tourist attractive, uh city in the country, though, next to Orlando. Orlando's number one with Disney World, and we're number two because we got all the museums and stuff, which to us is very – uh, Common and how often you go to them, but like a lot of people come here for that stuff too. You know the Smithsonian and everything. So.
4: I think it would be fun. I'm just trying to think of where you could do all this stuff. It would be fantastic for us. It would yeah. be fantastic oh, yeah. for us. You know what? It'd be even better. How about you get a Super Bowl in Washington at the new stadium with the Commanders or whatever their new name is when Josh Harris inevitably rebrands it? It seems like at this point down the road, but new uh, new stadium. Washington home team playing in it. How crazy would that be?
7: Well, I, that's never actually happened, yeah, I don't it has. think, right?
4: At mul- multiple times now. It hadn't happened for years, and then the Rams won at home, and then the Buccaneers yeah, the went at home. You're right. Well, both of the them at you're home right. first, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be crazy if well, that can I ever guess, happen. I guess
7: it could, but that's, that's a lot of hoping that I just don't have in me right now for this team. I mean, <laughs> I would love to be negative? at a point where that's a possibility, but... But, man, I'm just hoping we can get, like, back to being competitive. (laughs) Yeah. Much less having a home Super Bowl.
4: Super Bowl 58 comes up tomorrow. Let's go ahead and get into our official predictions. Chris, what do you think?
7: I'm going Chiefs.
4: How about a score? I don't
7: think it's going to be super high. I would be something like 20 to 24, something like that. Okay, 24-20 Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I'm going to go 27-24 Chiefs. And – I think it's going to be one of those games that's kind of grinded out. I don't don't think it's going to be anything high-flying, but... And I wouldn't be surprised. I if, think
7: the casual football fan will be bored. It'll be like the the Pacquiao Mayweather fight, where it's like if you just like this is the one game you watch a year, you'll be like, this stinks. because It's gonna be like a lot of defense and things.
4: Well, I don't think it's gonna be like so. uh, that Super Bowl Fifty. Remember when you had the Panthers and the Broncos? Yeah. A lot of people thought that Super Bowl was boring. I don't think yeah. it's gonna be like that, but I do think you're right. It's gonna I be. I never a find a Super
7: Bowl boring, just because there's so much on the line. You know, I, I think
4: it's gonna be a lot of feeling each other out, kind of like you you mentioned boxing first couple rounds. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the first. Quarter. It's a lot of running. Maybe someone settles for a field goal, maybe a punt here or there. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets off to a slow start, but I would not be surprised at all either if it's a crazy, intriguing finish. Whether it's Brock Purdy has the ball to try and win the Super Bowl, or Patrick Mahomes gets the ball back down seven or down three with two minutes to go and has to win it. And again, I'm going to take the Chiefs because I think when it gets down to those last couple of minutes, it's going to be the time where the quarterbacks can really separate themselves. Because, you know, if you're looking at San Francisco, they have some decent ways to match up with these guys, right? Fred Warner, I think, is as good of a matchup to go against Travis Kelsey as you can have. You know, Travis Kelsey seems to always find a way open in the zones, but if you can have a guy like a Fred Warner that can match up with him and understand what he's trying to do a little bit more, I think they can maybe neutralize Kelsey a little bit. I don't know if they have someone to match up perfectly with Rasheed Rice, but they're just going to find ways to get the ball in his hands. But can they stop Isaiah Pacheco? Because I think this is a different Chiefs team where if they just have to rely on the run game and Patrick Mahomes only has to throw the ball 25 times, they'll do it. They're they're willing to do whatever works. And so it's going to be interesting to see the game plans. And if you're Kyle Shanahan and you're going into this game, you've got so much to prove. Don't get cute. Don't try to do anything crazy. Turn around and hand the ball to Christian McCaffrey and get the ball in McCaffrey's hands as much as possible. Get that dude going. Find ways to get Debo involved in the run game. I think that's something that they've done a poor job of at times in the playoffs. They've tried to make Purdy do too much. Don't overthink it. Just get the ball to the playmakers you have on the outside. Find ways to get Ayuk involved. But primarily, just let Kittle go out there and block and let CMC do his thing. And honestly, this is something where if they can find a way to continue to do that all game, like if they can find a rhythm early and just keep moving the ball, they should win the football game. They're the better football team, but it's just hard to think that Kansas City won't be able to stop them with that defense that they have. It's so young, it's so talented, and they've found a way to continue to improve. is going to come out with a fantastic game plan, be able to slow them down, and so it's just going to be incredibly intriguing. I mean, I know so many people, it seemed like all week it hasn't been talked about like a usual Super Bowl. People haven't been as excited for some reason because it's a a rematch of super bowl 54 but it's two totally different teams the niners that year had jimmy garoppolo at quarterback now they've got brock purdy and you've seen the evolution of their offense and kyle shanahan and how he's grown as a head coach and you think back to that chiefs team their defense is way better now and they don't have tyree kill anymore so they're limited on offense and it's just crazy to think about i mean San Francisco, if they can win it, they're going to be the team to beat in the NFC the, like, like they ha- kind of have been the last couple of years. If Kansas City wins this thing, which a lot of people seem to be on, is it just over? <laughs>
7: like, I mean, it's just so hard after seeing, you know, going into the playoffs this year, everybody's like, well, are the, are the Chiefs going to be able to go on the road if they win? And they go to Buffalo and they win. They go to Baltimore and they win. And it's just so hard right now to be like, no, nah, they can't do this, though. You know, like yeah, after these earlier wins, it's so hard to, which I mean, that doesn't mean they'll necessarily win, but it's so hard to bet against Mahomes when you've been watching him have the playoffs he's had.
4: And here's the thing. I mean, if they win the Super Bowl this year, you just got to be so frustrated if you're a team around the league, because this was their down year. People yeah. were like, "Yeah, this this Chiefs team is not very good. They're turning
7: not turning it on at the right times. A big part of it,
4: though. and having the guys to be able to make the plays. I mean, it's just been an absolutely incredible run for them to kind of get where they're at now. Absolutely incredible. Twenty seven, twenty four Chiefs. You said what? Twenty four, twenty Chiefs. That's what I have. Yeah. So we both got Kansas City winning it all. Again, you can hear Super Bowl fifty eight. Right here on the fan kickoff tomorrow at 630. It's going to do it for us. Appreciate Chris hanging out. I'm Toby Altizer. Caps Hockey comes up next. We'll leave you with Taylor Swift.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.